0: At Valley, one of the things that we believe is true is that all people are on a journey. That we are all on a journey from knowing nothing about God to ideally committing our lives to becoming faithful followers of Jesus. Now, we don't all Head in that same direction. And we don't all make the decision to pursue that direction. But we all are on this journey. We all begin in this place of knowing nothing and continue to journey through life. And on this journey that we're on, we have stops and experiences along the way. Moments and opportunities where we have chances to Experience God and to experience what it is that God has for us, dreams for us, hopes for us on the journey that we're making forward. And those experiences or those or those stops look different depending on what may happen in life. Sometimes they're they're very simple interactions, um, even before we make a faith decision. Perhaps someone stops to pray for us, even even a stranger. Maybe a friend shares with us their own faith story. Perhaps someone gives us a Bible. Or for some, there are accidental hearings of a preacher, maybe on the radio or on a television station, or they happen into a church somehow, or all these interactions that that may happen, these simple, seemingly small things that somehow remind us that God is at work. Also on the journey, there are intentional ways in which we create these, these stops or these experiences of God. We talk about those as sacred rhythms or spiritual disciplines. Practices like silence, solitude, scripture reading, prayer, worship, Sabbath, tithing. These, these rhythms that cultivate the soil of our life to... Feel or experience God moving around us or among us and sometimes both before and after a decision perhaps to walk with Jesus we might experience some type of, of supernatural experience something that's far harder to explain a special interaction with God in some way or perhaps a miraculous healing some experience an unexplainable turn of events that goes on in their life and for them it is evidence that God is stirring, God is moving, God is at work. And it doesn't matter how how, how normal or incredible that these experiences may seem, they're different for each of us and, and different ways in which they happen in our lives. All of them are opportunities for us to see the Savior they're opportunities, they're glimpses for us to recognize God at work. In, in a sense, they're kind of like pit stops along the way of this journey. Times of refueling or times where we're given new direction of how we might move forward. And as I thought about it even more this morning, I thought the, the further and further we get along the journey as we're pursuing Christ, it's not that we need less and less pit stops. It's actually that this, these things become Frequent, current, all the time there as we're moving forward on the journey forward. And with each of these, with all of these, we find opportunities to respond. We are given the responsibility to somehow respond to what God is doing. This is how free will works. The reality that God created humans, not robots. People who... Make a decision on where we will go next And what we will do as we move forward the Reality is that God has created people And he created us to love God And to be loved by God And what we understand or what we believe is true about love Especially true love Is that it cannot be coerced or demanded It must be given It must be chosen. So God invites us to respond in this this partnership with God. Invites us to choose to journey forward with Jesus, to move forward on this journey of discipleship. And along the way we make choices. We either choose to journey with Jesus or we sometimes choose to journey away, to move away from Jesus and what we are being called to and what it is that God has for our life. And and sometimes Instead, we just move in this place of complete ambivalence to what God is doing or the idea that God is working at all. Again, this reality that all people are on this journey, all people have those opportunities for those choices to make those decisions along the way. We choose to journey with God or we choose to separate ourselves from God. And God's dreams for our journey and what it may look like. And if we choose to stay connected, to to stay in the presence of God, to move forward on the journey towards faithfully following after Jesus, the scriptures tell us that, that something beautiful begins to take place in our life. That we find ourselves transformed into something other than what we were back there on the journey. Change keeps taking place in who we are and what we're becoming. As we move through this journey in the book of Psalms, and I think we're about halfway through it, as we've moved through it, we've seen glimpses of this and pictures of this. Aaron first gave us the idea of what this might look like as he preached on psalm chapter one and in verses two and three it says but they delight in the law of the lord meditating on it day and night they're like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do if we delight in the way of the lord we become like this beautiful tree The image that we get of this big, strong, fruit-bearing tree and we become transformed into something that is of value for others as that fruit becomes of value to others that are around us in our life. And as this transformation continues to take place, we grow in our confidence of who God is and the work that God is doing, the ways in which God is stirring We saw that as we looked at Psalm 23 that I taught on a couple of weeks ago. And it pushes us into Psalm 27, which Jeff shared with us last week. As we stay in the presence of the protective shepherd, the the lavish host, the chasing God, we find ourselves in a place of faith that allows us to combat the fears that come in our life. So in Psalm 23, we read, Surely your goodness and unfilling love will pursue me all the days Of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And being in the presence of God allows us to echo what it is that the psalmist wrote in Psalm 27 Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. This is the journey. That we've been invited to walk in the presence of God. The journey forward towards becoming faithful followers of Jesus. And the book of Psalm echoes this calling over and over and over again. But it does so in this incredible way. We don't see it through bullet point type teaching. Which many of us have become comfortable with. Notes and one, two, threes and easy things to to write down and understand. And, and systems and Diagrams that we can follow after. In the book of Psalms, this kind of teaching doesn't come through theological and practical teachings like we find from Paul in the New Testament epistles. It doesn't come in the writing down of laws like we find in other books of the Old Testament. Instead, the book of Psalms shares with us through poems and songs and firsthand experience what it's like to walk this journey forward in the presence of God. Through psalms, we're given personal insight into the beautiful days on that journey and the difficult days on that journey. And those lessons don't come through informational truths. They come through personal, first-hand experiences of what it's like to journey with God. Good days, bad days, days when we're faithful, days when we're less than faithful. Psalm 51, the psalm that we read earlier, shows us one of those dark days on the journey. And if we're going to walk forward with Jesus, we need to understand that there will be dark days on this journey forward. Days when things are difficult and complicated, days when things are harder than we might hope. Psalm 23 alluded to those as it talked about moving through that, that valley, that dark valley of death. Psalm 27 gave us glimpses of those pains and those pressures. Psalm 51 here, it's, it's called a psalm of lament. And it illustrates for us the pain that sometimes comes with journeying with Jesus. The reality that it will not always be easy. It won't always be beautiful. In Psalm 51, we see that at least one of the causes for the darkness that we sometimes experience in our journey is our own damage. That's not always the case. We have to be careful with reading something like this and assuming that that means that's always what's going on. But in Psalm 51, we find that it is the sin of the psalmist that has brought this darkness, that has brought this difficulty. And and sometimes, again, not always, but sometimes, perhaps more than we even care to admit, we walk through difficulties in life. As a result of our own sin, of our own wrongdoing, of our own choices. Now, again, I want us to be cautious with that because I find that we tend to end up on the extremes. Bad stuff's always about our sin, or or our sin never causes bad stuff. And the reality is that the scriptures paint for us a picture that is somewhere in the middle of that. That sometimes, because of the sin in our life, we experience difficulties of life as a consequence of that. For the last few weeks, I have been thinking more and more about sin. I don't know what it was about Psalm 23, but for some reason, Psalm 23 and my my time in that sent me on this spiral of thinking about sin and what it looks like and, and how it works and what happens with it. And thinking back through my own faith journey, I've always understood sin as bad behaviors. The idea that sin is the struggle that I have, that we have, in following the rules of God and doing the things that God would have us do. And I I think there's truth in that. There, There is sin when we behave differently than God would have us behave. And yet, as I think back and I think about Psalm 23 and I look at the whole of the scriptures, I'm not sure that rule following or rule breaking is really what God is most concerned about. I'm not sure that sin is primarily an issue of behavior management. I've always been told that my poor behavior creates distance between me and God. That, w- that when there's sin in my life, it creates distance between God and me. But I'm actually beginning to wonder if the opposite is even more true. If it's actually because of distance that I've created between God and me, that bad behaviors become the result of those decisions. Does that make sense? Sort of. Not fully, I know, because I'm still trying to flesh it out of my own mind. But I know that I'm seeing evidence of this more and more, even in the life of my kids. Because I want my kids to behave, I want them to follow the rules. And apparently, I have a lot of rules. I get told that by my children and I get told that by my family. Apparently, I have even more rules than some other people have. I even got told that by some kids that were visiting my house not too long ago and they were just there with me. They said, this isn't the way we do this at my house. I said, that's okay, but you're not at your house. What's also true is I know that I don't love my kids more or less when they do or don't follow the rules. And I don't distance myself from them if they choose not to follow those rules that are in our family. And the older that they get, I find that they're getting new understandings of these rules. Now, they still don't like them. And they don't simply want to follow rules, but they are growing to love mom and dad in new ways as they understand what that means, that that's more than just words. And as they do so, they're growing to trust that perhaps some of those rules that we have are actually for their own good. And they follow more and more of them because they love mom and dad and it is a response, an expression of their love for us. Now, let's not even try to pretend that they've got it all perfect yet. They're five and three. So they're a long way from understanding that's the way it works. I'm a long way from understanding the way that it works. But as I think about that with my kids, I also understand that to be true in my own life. Why would it be that God would somehow distance himself from me because I behave Poorly. Instead, what we find in the scriptures is an overwhelming love from God all the time. And ideally, that the more and more we experience the love of God, the more and more that I know the love of God, the more and more I choose to behave in the ways that God would have me behave. Not because behavior gets me something, but because it is an expression of my love for God. In Psalm 51, we find a moment where it's believed it's David who wrote this, that, that David is walking through one of the most egregious experiences with, with poor behavior in his own life. He used his position of power to take and assault another man's wife. The woman became pregnant and David did everything he could to try and cover it up. He tried and he tried and he tried and ultimately decided that perhaps the best way to do so was to have her husband killed. And when he thought that he was off the hook, nobody could know what happened. The prophet Nathan came to him and said, I know what you have done and God knows what you have done. And the consequences of your sin is that the child will die. And it's believed that it's in this state of rebellion and desperation that David wrote out or spoke these words to God. That in one of his most difficult days, it brought light to the state of his soul and to the poor choices that he'd made and to his need for God's mercy. So the psalmist David, we assume, confesses his failure before God, declares his own blame, and asks for God's undeserved grace. Ruth Haley Barton, as she writes about the spiritual life, Describes important realities of what come on this journey as we journey towards transformation, as we journey towards following after Jesus and becoming what we've been called to be. She writes, there comes a time in the spiritual life when one of the major things God is up to is lovingly help us, helping us see ourselves more clearly. In order for God to bring transformation in us, in order for us to move forward on this journey of of following more and more after God, of following after Jesus who He's called us to be, we have to be able to see, we must see who it is that we really are. We must see and remember that naturally we are women and men who are concerned more with our own wants and desires than we are God's desires for us. We are women and men more concerned about our own successes and our own goals than we are God's hopes for us. Us becoming who God has created us to to be demands that we see who we are now so that we can be transformed into something different as we move forward. We can be transformed into who it is that God is calling us to be. And as we allow ourselves to grow closer and closer to God, as we allow ourselves to be more fully immersed in the presence of God, Barton writes that we become more aware of those places where we're not like Christ and the inevitability of the spiritual journey. So, Psalm 51, verses 1 and 3. David becoming aware of his own brokenness, of his own damage says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. He doesn't ask that he would behave better so that he could somehow earn God's favor. Instead, he confesses his sin, and he asks that the God of unfailing love would give him grace. He asks to be forgiven. He asks that he would be transformed into something new, and that then, out of this salvation, that's what that transformation is, that's what that new life is, out of this salvation, out of this new life, out of this Brokenness, desperation for God, out of transformation. It's out of all of those things that right behaviors would come. So in verses ten or in verse ten it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Seeing who we are has to include seeing our poor behaviors, but also recognizing the roots of what causes that poor behavior. The damage that exists down deep in our soul that pushes us to a place of this kind of behavior. Again... uh, Writing from Barton. It says, Confession requires the willingness to acknowledge and take responsibility not only for the outward manifestations of our sin, but also for the inner dynamics that produced the sinful or negative behaviors. These bad behaviors that we find in our life, in our journey, in our faith walk, in our commitment to Christ stand in complete opposition to God's desires for us and for creation. But it's also true that the, the core of our sin, what sparks these bad behaviors, stands in opposition to our relationship with God. Our sins stand in opposition to our surrender, to following after Christ, to moving forward on this journey That many of us would say we want to be on, we desire to be on. Our sin stands in opposition to our journey forward. And yet we've been deceived to believe that somehow these sins, sometimes these, somehow these poor behaviors, somehow these, these feelings and these thoughts inside of us, that if we act in this way, it will bring us what it is that we dream of, what we hope for, what we desire, and what we so often don't recognize is that in the process we have abandoned the presence of God and it's in the very presence of God that God can do the most beautiful things that he dreams for us, that he has created for us. As evangelical Christians, we often talk... About a time in our life or a time on our journey that we need to come to the, the, the place of acknowledging our sin and choosing to repent or to turn from those sins. We believe that we have an experience or, or maybe even a gathering of experience that looks different for each of us. But that we have this space in which we choose to leave behind our natural wants and desires in order to pursue God. That we turn from our sin and we choose to follow Jesus in a new way of living. How do we talk about it in Bible school? Do you remember as you talk to kids? ABC, admit, believe. They changed it to confess, is that right? I don't actually like that one as well. Commit is far better theology in my opinion. They didn't ask me. I just get to tell you, but none of them. The religious word that we have for that is conversion. This is our decision to become a Christian. This is this, this time, this moment, this season where we decide that we want to follow after Christ. We believe that's one of the most significant milestones that we experience on our journey of faith. And also that it's true that salvation mandates this time of decision. However, what I want to be incredibly clear to us today, what I think that Psalm 51 wants us to grasp and to understand is that that moment of conversion, that time where we decide to turn from those sins, that is not the finish line of our faith journey. That's not the end of what it is that we were created for or called towards. It changes the course that we're on, but it does not end our need to continue to move forward. Sometimes I think that we fail to recognize that our continuing movement forward, our journey forward as Christ followers, means that repentance and confession are to be a regular part of our ongoing journey forward. That as you and I come closer and closer to the Savior, the more we recognize our own rebellion from God's love and from God's ways. The more God pursues after us, joins us and walks with us, the more we see our efforts to sabotage the relationship that God desires to have with us. And us continuing on this journey means that we need to continue to repent of both the sinful behaviors and the sinful roots that bring out those behaviors in us. That we have to confess of the ways that we have brought damage to our relationship with God, to our relationships with others, and to the dreams that God has for us and for others and for all of creation. Now, if your journey of faith is anything like mine, you are coming to realize, if you haven't already, that this sin thing continues to come up over and over and over again. I have not yet figured out how to squelch it and make sure that it never comes up in my faith journey again. Over and over again, it recurs. And I can tell you that my typical pattern of trying to figure out how to how to change this or fix this or move forward in this has always been the practice of behavior management. That if I can just behave better, somehow I can set all of these things on the right course. And yet I do not believe that behavior management is the key to fixing or repairing or restoring what it is that's broken inside of me. Now I haven't always believed that I'm still barely learning that But I think what it is That we're called to do Is what Psalm 51 actually encourages of us That we recognize the damage That is inside of us from the beginning The damage that pushes us Towards poor behaviors That we ask God to clean out Whatever it is that distracts us From fully following after him And again, if you're like me, man, it's dirty in there. I have to ask God to clean things out over and over and over again. That then we ask and we make commitments to a deepening relationship in the presence of God. That we allow the Holy Spirit to bring new life to us. Salvation. And that it's out of that that new behaviors come. It's out of that that we begin to behave in different manners, out of putting ourselves in the presence of God, not squelching the behavior so that we can find the presence of God, but putting ourselves in the presence of God that the Holy Spirit can work change and transformation and we begin to behave in new ways. So we find in Psalm 51 verse 12, I think it is, it says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Now notice in that passage, the joy is not the right behaviors. The joy is not in behaving or acting the right way. Instead, the joy is in the rescue The joy is in the presence of God. The joy is in the work that God is doing in us and around us and through us. And it's out of that joy that new behaviors come. So the question for us today is will we allow God through the power of his Holy Spirit to begin this work inside of us? Will we Confess and ask God to clean out all of that that's in the way. Commit ourselves to God's presence. And allow the Holy Spirit to bring and do a new work in us. That's the real challenge of Psalm 51. That's the real hope and dream that God has for our journey forward. Pray with me, would you? Holy Spirit, I ask today that you would do your work in me, that you would do your work in us, that we would recognize the ways in which we consistently sabotage your desire for relationship with us. that we would welcome you back home and that you would make of us something new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.